Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Good morning, Simple Church. Good morning, good morning. Welcome. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to thank you uh, so much for being with us here this morning. Hey, we've got some new speakers flown over here. Don't those look good? If you've been here the last couple of weeks, they've been, they've been sitting on stands, and I said, hey, let's, uh, I can't stands it no more. <laughs> anyway, they put up these speakers, and uh, they put up the last two this morning, so uh, forgive us as we work through. Maybe what, what uh, will sound like a little bit of uh, uh, some feedback, but I promise you our team is taking care of it back there. Can we give it up for our sound team that is working so hard to take care of us? Man, they're, they're good. Uh, so, all right. Well, let me figure out. I can't stand there. Can I stand here? I'll just stay right. This is where I'm going to live today, okay? So uh, I want to take a moment before we get into what we're doing today to, of course, greet all those that are joining us online. And for those of you that is your very first time here, come on, Simple Church, let's greet our guests. Let them know that we are glad they're in the house today. Yeah, thanks for being with us. We are continuing this uh, series called Love Story. This is our second week in the series, and we're very excited about it. We're studying the book of uh, the Song of Songs, which is which some people in your Bible may actually say the Song of Solomon in there. Um, but but Solomon wrote this, and in fact, it tells us in the in Kings that he wrote a thousand and five different songs, and that. The reason he called this one the Song of Songs is because, well, this one, this one was his, be- his best. This one was his favorite. And if you've ever tried to read through this, you're going to find there's, that it's a little difficult to read because there's a whole lot of metaphors that just don't relate to us anymore. Like, we can't understand them. Uh, and, and in fact, I'm, so I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help you understand them. But I think we've got some really, really difficult metaphors to deal with and uh, all in time for Valentine's Day. So I'm going to give you a few that maybe if you're writing a poem to your loved one, maybe you can try it on. And if you do so, um, film it and share it with us because I would love to see that. So, so here's a couple of, of the metaphors he uses throughout this poem. Uh, talking to her, Solomon says, your neck is like the tower of David. He goes on to describe that all these shields are hanging from it. I don't, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Is it your neck is safe? Is it pretty? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Your neck is like the Tower of David. David, by the way, was his dad. Isn't that kind of like a blue kind of thing, you know, to compare your girlfriend's neck to your dad's safe house? I don't know. Anyway, all right. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. I'll just leave that right there. That's a... <laughs> Try that one out, all right? Your hair is like a flock of goats. <laughs> Lots of metaphors to do with sheep. Is that because he's like, oh, baby? I'm not sure. Your teeth, there's one more. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from washing. He likes the way she brushes her teeth. I don't know, like they're just, uh, it's just strange. So there's lots of this stuff throughout this, right? So 
I'm going to help you understand it. I'm, I'm going to break them down and make it clear their intent there because all those kind of things are kind of lost on us, right? I, what does he even mean there? So, so we've been going through this, and we're going to go verse by verse, and um, I've even done some things to help you because as we read through it, uh, not only are there confusing metaphors, but it's really confusing about who's talking because there are three uh, three different groups of people or individuals that are talking throughout. Go ahead and throw my emoji translator up here on the screen. There you go. So when, when it mentions lover, every time you see that word lover, it's referring to Solomon. And I got a little, a, little, a little boy emoji there to represent when Solomon talks. So you'll see that in the scriptures uh, today that, as they go up on the screen. And then anytime you see the word beloved, it's talking about his girlfriend or his fiance or later to become his wife, the Shulamite maiden. And we'll use that icon to identify her. And then there's this group of girls, it's her friends, maybe the chorus of Jerusalem or the daughters of Jerusalem, that sometimes she'll say something and they're all like, yeah, you're right, he is, he is fine, right? They're just kind of backing her up, echoing what she's saying. So when they're talking, you'll see them on the screen. So, so, so now that you know who's, who's going to be talking and, and that I'll explain things to you, let, let's get into what we're doing. This is our theme verse for this series uh, and it's a beautiful picture that it paints for, paints for us about what our love should look like. And not just our love relationship with boyfriend and girlfriend, husband and wife, but our love relationships with each other. That's why even in this series, if you're already married or you've decided you're going to be single the rest of your life or whatever that looks like for you, uh, there, there's something in here for everybody today. So don't check out on me. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 1, Solomon's Song of Songs. There you go. He decides... This is the best, the, the greatest hit. And you'll notice she begins, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. So it gets spicy right up front. I like that. For your love is more delightful than wine. She's like, man, I really enjoy the way that you love me, the way that you love your family members, the way that you love your coworkers, the way that you love your community, love the people in, in, in the spaces where you find yourself. She says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Like when you're around, everybody's happy about it right? Anybody ever been around somebody that, that maybe, maybe needed to take a shower? Anybody really happy about that? She's saying, hey, you're, you smell good. It's good to be in your presence. I like to be around you. No wonder the maidens love you. Everybody loves Solomon. Everybody loves him at home, at work, at church, in his community. They love the way that he loves them and the way that he makes them feel as a result of his love. Y'all following me? He, they love that and they want to be around him. They're attracted to him. And that's the goal for our series, isn't it? That we would learn to love each other in such a way that the world would see the way we love one another and be attracted to it. Because really when it comes down to it, the kind of love that we are loving each other with is the same kind of love that God loved us with first. Amen, everybody? And so the goal is, how do we learn to love this way? That we love, the way we love people is attractive to others. Now, in this series so far, last week, we talked about the rules of attraction, that, that the way that we need to be attracted to one another, if, if you missed the message, I'll give it to you real brief, that the answer is we don't start with the physical. I think physical attraction is important and that it has its place, but that's not the most important thing when it comes to how we are approaching our dating life or who we are attracted to. No, we talked about being spiritually attractive first and then being emotionally attractive attractive long before we ever get to the physical attraction, which again, the order is important and physical attraction certainly has its place, which is what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we're going to focus 
on the honeymoon, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna talk about, hey, here's the marriage ceremony, here's the honeymoon, and it's every bit as graphic and spicy as you can imagine. So all, all the guys are writing, when did you say that date was? That's next week. We're gonna talk about their, their, their lovemaking actually is described and takes up two chapters of the book. And so uh, it, it's a little spicy, so I'm just gonna tell you again, one of the rules of this series is that if your kids are 13 and under, um, Boop, 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 boop. Here's your warning, okay? We're just, just this whole series, it's, that even includes today, that we have kids ministry and, and it's available and if they, if they can be in there, great. And if you decide to keep them here, just know that I'm not holding anything back. All right, everybody? All right, you've been warned. There you go. I don't want any nasty grams. If you do have some nasty grams or some things to say, you can send it to feedback at mysimple.church. That'd be great. But, but, uh, but, but yeah, so... so we're going to cover that, and then the week after that, we're going to look at conflict resolution because, man, wouldn't you know it, after they get married and, and they get into the rhythm of marriage, conflict arises. Now, it's not a bad thing to have conflict in your marriage. It's about how you go about resolving that conflict that matters, and so we're going to talk about that the week after, and then the final week, and, and Pastor Kyle Smith is going to be here to deliver that message for you. You guys are going to really enjoy that as she tells us the uh, the rules of Fight Club, and uh, and then the and then the last message in this series, we're going to talk about how do you deepen your love, how do you grow and have a mature love as your marriage and your that that relationship continues on. So today, though, today uh, is a little bit of a sensitive topic, and and I want to before I get into it, I want to address the ground rules once again. And the first one is uh, that we talked about last week is don't listen for someone else, listen for yourself. I don't want any elbow and somebody next to you going, hey, you hear that? that that's for you. Today is, today is for you. Everybody say, it's for me. Yeah, that's the ground rules, okay? The second ground rule is, is that I think every time we talk about relationships, we talk about dating, we talk about marriage, sexuality, I think we all bring a bit of baggage to the conversation, almost to the point like, we're like, you know what? I've been here, done that. I've already messed this thing up, and why put any kind of effort to it? No, we're not going to do that, okay? What we're going to do in our approach to this topic is to have a from this day forward kind of attitude. That I may have messed it up, but Jesus makes all things new. Amen, everybody? And that from this day forward, I can live a different life. There is no shame. You don't need to carry that. You don't need to be discouraged through this conversation. Let's filter everything you're going to hear today through the lens of moving forward from this day forward with Jesus. So today... Uh, what we're going to do is talk about the dating relationship. And this is the relationship just before uh, the, our, our main characters get married. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pastor you a little bit, and I'm going to shepherd you along this, because I think that the way we're going about dating is all wrong. I think that what we're doing is actually pretty toxic. And I want to show you what's possible if we choose to do things God's way. So it's, it's worth taking a look at. Uh, and in fact, I would tell you something about our modern day uh, dating scene. It's only about 100 years old. In fact, the dating scene really exploded with the invention of and the popularization of and the spreading of automobiles. Do you guys know that? That when cars became a thing, people could get places faster, quicker, faster, quicker. Boy, that was a repetition, wasn't it? Excuse me, I'm from the redundancy department of redundancy. <laughs> So it's only about that old, and, uh, and the way we've been doing things is, is kind of off. 
Before that, most people use some version of a biblical model and what I'll share with you. And I think when it comes to approaching any area of our life, that God's ways are best, and it's worth looking into to see what he has to say about it. So because the world does things different. Now, I can already hear some of the pushback when we're talking about this, and as we get into it, I promise you, you're going to say, Aaron, that's a little bit old school. That's, that's a little bit like, um, I don't know, nobody does it that way. The world does it this way, and I'm just going to tell you something. If you want to continue to get the world's results, you can continue to do it the world's way. If you're looking for something different, you can try God's way, because he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It is good. You ever tasted something good? It's like, mmm, that's so good. You walk out of that place, wherever you're eating, you just can't wait to get back. Mmm. I got a place like that, Condado Tacos up at Easton. Mmm. They got this new, new taco. It's called, this is not in my notes, by the way. It's called the Kevin. It is chili cheese centric, and it is so good. Highly recommend. Kevin from the office when he spilled the chili. Never mind. We're getting, we're getting off topic. Here we go. Back here. Bring it in. As if you guys are the ones running wild, right? It's me. But if you want the world's results, do things like the world does. If not, give Jesus a try. Try his ways. Because I think, in truth, dating is painful for a lot of people, isn't it? For some of you, you've been in this season for a really, really long time. And you feel a little bit like a piece of luggage on the carousel at the Columbus International Airport. You're just going around and around that carousel. Anybody going to pick me up? Anybody want me? Right? And you thought by now that you'd, you'd be married or at least engaged, and you're confused, and it's disorienting. Maybe it's caused you to lose hope or, or, or just feel like maybe there's something wrong with you. And on top of all that, you go, go to weddings or you go to any kind of family event, and all your family, what are they asking you? Hey, when are you going to settle down? Hey, when, when are you going to get married? Or at the wedding, they, they, they nudge you, you know, and they go, hey, you know, you're next. If you ever want to get back at them, just go to a funeral and lean over to them and go, hey, you're, ne- you're, you're next. Don't do that. Bad pastor. That's not a good thing. Don't do that. It's terrible advice. But it's funny, though. It's funny. You just want to punch them in the mouth, don't you? Because they don't realize how much this is hurting you. They don't realize what's going on in your life because you've been in this cycle for a while. And you want to punch them in the mouth, but you can't. So here's, here's my take on why modern dating is so messed up. Because the, the boy meets girl story is a little different today than it used to be. Because see, it used to be boy meets girl and they go out on dates and stuff. Now it's boy logs onto app, swipes right on girl. Girl creates online profile, swipes right on boy. And then they chat, boy and girl decide to meet. They go to dinner, girl orders large meal, boy Boy pays for it. Girl invites boy back to her house. Boy's happy to oblige. Next thing you know, there's some kissing. Next thing you know, there's some, they're laying down. And next thing you know, girl invites boy to stay over. And boy is, again, happy to oblige. What winds up happening is they, they start doing married things. They start playing house together until boy meets new girl or girl meets new boy. And then they break up. Maybe things get hard. Maybe they have a fight. They dispose of the relationship. And then they start all over again. Same story, same cycle. Swiping right, hooking up, 
play and married, and then ripping it all apart, starting over. Wash, rinse, repeat. And the world will tell you that this is what it's all about, that, hey, you're single right now. You need to go sow your wild oats. Now, let me tell you something. There is nothing fun about the ripping and tearing of relationships apart. There's nothing fun about it at all. And what winds up happening is we, we get into this cycle until one day, boy meets special girl. Girl meets special boy. And they decide to stand in front of God and their friends and declare their forever love. And they get married until things get tough. And then they divorce and they wonder why. And to me, it comes down to one thing. It's one simple answer. You play like you practice. You play like you practice. I do weddings, and I've done many weddings of people in here. And you can ask any of them. One of the things that, that I'm often asked to do at a wedding is to manage the rehearsal, to be the coordinator for that rehearsal. And one of the things that I tell each of the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, hey, I know we're at rehearsal, but I need you to smile. Because if you don't smile right now, tomorrow at the wedding, you're going to look like this. And that, my friend, is a picture that will live on forever on the internet and in somebody's album. And people will laugh at you. They'll say, what was wrong with you? What were you thinking? You want to smile now during rehearsal so that tomorrow you remember to smile when you're walking down the aisle. Smile when you're standing there. Smile. Why? Because you play the way you practice. And I can already hear you. Well, Aaron, I just want to be ready for marriage. That's why I'm practicing marriage with other people, all these other ones, because practice <laughs> makes perfect. I'm going to play house with somebody until I get it right. Practice makes perfect. And I'm going to say, eh, wrong. How you practice determines how you play. Do you know that you can practice the wrong way? I used to be a soccer coach for my kids, and they would run all over the place. They, would, they wouldn't pass the ball to one another. They, they would kick the opposite direction. If, they, if I didn't teach them during practice how they were supposed to play the game, that then during the game, they would run all over the place and there would be total chaos. Now, when you're dealing with five-year-olds, it's total chaos anyway, and that's kind of embraced at that age, okay? But at some point in time, they start keeping track of the points and who's winning the games. And then there's trophies to be given out. And goodness gracious, you want the trophies, Right? And so if you, you want to play well, you have to practice well. I would tell you that perfect practice is what makes perfect, not just practice, because you can do it all wrong. You can develop some bad habits that you'll carry over into some bad performance. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness out there? Amen. Right? It's no wonder. It's no wonder we get married. Nothing was different than before. And we divorce and separate just like we did before when things get tough because you play like you practice. Now, I'm not shaming anybody. This is not me shaming anybody. It's likely that you didn't know any better. It's likely that you didn't have a model. It's likely you were just doing what everybody else is doing. And I understand that. But now you know. Now you know and you have an option. You need to know there is better. God's way is better. So let me show it to you. And, this, and by the way, this is the only time I'm going to go outside of Song of Solomon. This entire series, I'll make sure that I stay within the context of that book. But Solomon did write this, and he said this in Ecclesiastes 3.1. He said, there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything. All this play in house, 
the things that mommy and daddies do, the husbands and wife, all that stuff, there's a time for it. He said, in a season for every activity under the sun. See, not all activities belong in every single season. Could you, could you imagine trying to uh, snow ski during the summertime? You can't. It's not happening. Now, you could ski out there right now. There's some, there's some places where you could just, you just take a few steps and you could ski. My wife tried to ski down the driveway yesterday. <laughs> I don't know whose this is, by the way. It was just on my table. Mine now, dibs. Don't know whose it is. I know. Licked it. Did the same thing to Shanda this morning. Just licked it right on the cheek. And mine. That's how you mark it, yep. Some activities belong in specific seasons, right? Some things. We can't do all the things that we want to at any time. People say, well, I was just following my feelings. You can't follow your feelings. Your feelings are fickle. They'll lie to you all the time. They'll lie to you. We need to follow the season for the right things. And the world tell you to trust your feelings? No, nope, don't do that. You cannot follow your feelings. You can feel your feelings. There's nothing wrong with having feelings, but you don't need to entertain them. You don't need to follow them. Choices need to be what you choose to follow. You need to let your choices lead and your feelings will follow. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So what we need to do right now is make some choices for the seasons that we're in. That's just really important. Make some choices to understand the seasons that God has us in right now. And so what we're going to do as we read through this story, they're going to show us some different seasons that we might enter into in our dating relationship or that courtship and what all that should look like. So here's the first one. It's right where we left off last week. It's Song of Solomon uh, chapter 2, verses 8. And she's talking, and she says, listen, my lover. So she's talking about Solomon. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. Like, this guy is Superman, right? <laughs> Able to leap a building with a single bound. You know why you can do that? Because you can fly, guys. It's like, you know. She thinks he's Superman. She said, my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall. Gaze Watch this. This is interesting. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. Every step you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. Sounds like Solomon's a creeper, doesn't it? He's not. He's just arrived. He's there to pick her up for his date, and he's looking in to see if she's ready, okay? All right, so it's not like that. She said, my, my lover spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one. This is her doing an impression of him, by the way. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me to Cheesecake Factory. Let's go. Y'all know they got a Cinnabon, Cinnabon cheesecake now there? Oh, shut your mouth. Condado tacos, then hit the Cheesecake Factory. I'm just telling you, let's go. But what they're doing is they're beginning their dating relationship here, and she's excited about it. She's telling her mom about it. Like, he is so fine. He is so, he loves, mom, he's so great. He's like Superman. I just, I just adore him. I care so much. He's just so great. And what she's entering into, and they're entering into, is a season that all of us have been in. In fact, we've, we've been in it uh, uh, when we got the new job. We were in it when we joined this church. We, we were, most anything new that we choose to buy or, or connect ourselves to or enter into, we're in a season of perfection. 
Everything's perfect, isn't it? Everything's right. Mom, I love the way he loves me. He's so good. You're just never going to believe the way that he talks to me and the things that he says. And here's the truth. You know that even though you're in this season, if you hang around long enough, what you're going to find is that that job, that new car that you got, even this church that you just joined and are part of, they ain't perfect. Nah. Your marriage won't be either. Your dating relationship won't be either. I mean, you'll first meet that person and you'll feel like they're perfect because they say, say what about love? That it's blind, right? That, that love doesn't see. You get all, all Twitter-pated and infatuated with somebody and all of a sudden, none of their faults seem to be on display. Just give it time. Just give it time. Because you'll be saying, he's so great. I want him. My goodness, he can do no wrong. Well, he's not so great after all. Come on, where are my married ladies at? He isn't perfect, is he? Amen. I got an amen over there. She said she's, she's in it. And guys, she's not perfect either, is she? Oh, you hear the guys ain't saying nothing. They're like, nope, not today, Satan. You ain't tricking me. She's here right next to me. Uh-uh. I ain't messing with that. How dare you try to trick me the day before Valentine's Day. Got me buying a two dozen roses instead of one dozen. <laughs> what do you do in a season when you're blind? Well, I think we had that awareness, first of all. And then we, we've got to, to understand, like, they're not perfect. We've got to make some choices. We've got to have some rules to live by during this season of perfection so that we don't follow our feelings. And the first thing you need to adopt is to limit your time. I mean, if you're in this season of perfection, you're dating, Limit your time. And I, I'm talking about your alone time. You're eventually going to get into a season where you're going to get lots of alone time with that person. All my married people said? Yeah, yeah amen. Did you hear them? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but but we, we need to limit all this alone time now. Because when you're alone, you'll be tempted. Young people, listen to me. College student, or college age and our students, listen to me. Our grown people that ought to know better by now, listen to me. When you're alone, you're tempted. You'll get pulled into things that belong in a different season for you. You say, well, if we're not alone, how are we supposed to date? Glad you asked. Let me tell you. You ever heard of double dating? Go out on double dates. Go out with your friends group. Hey, how about you both join the same grow group at the church? How about you all serve on the same team at the church? How about you all sit together at church, how about you go on a mission trip together? Like, like do some things together. Just don't be alone. Have some accountability. Have some people around you. I understand the pushback is here, but we just need some time alone. How are we going to get to know each other? And no, you don't need time alone. There's only one thing <laughs> that you need to be alone for and that you shouldn't, well, actually that you can't do in a group. Well, at least you shouldn't be doing in a group. <laughs> Jesus, help us. You don't need to be alone. You're like, my God, what did I sign up for today? So in this season of perfection, you need to limit your time, and then you need to limit your talk. This one's important, and I think we bypass this one a lot, don't we? We're ready. We're ready to call somebody the one. We're ready to tell somebody we love them the moment we feel it. We're ready to tell him, you know, you're the one, you complete me. But I'm just going to challenge you, don't do this too soon. 
at every age, at every station of life. Don't, don't do this too soon. Limit your talk. Ladies, I'm going to just tell you this. Boys will say anything. They will say anything to get that thing, that thing, that thing. If you all know, don't know what that is, see me afterwards. I'll pray for you first, and then I'll explain to you what that thing is. That doesn't make boys gross. It just means they'll say anything to get, to, 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 to get that thing. And my challenge to you ladies is make him say that thing in front of God and your friends and your family on the day that he marries you, and then, and then have fun. Y'all hearing me? Limit your talk. You young people nowadays, young people get into a dating relationship and they start feeling something really strong. I've watched this pattern play out where young people are buying rings for each other because you can get silicone rings because adults are doing it. Why can't they do it? Or they'll get a cheap ring from Walmart or wherever they'll get it and they'll put it on. And, and it used to be a promise ring, but now, now they start calling each other husband and wife. So they change the name in their contact. Wife is calling. And I'm like, don't, do not dishonor marriage and what this commitment looks like. Do not play married. Do not talk married before you've got that covenant. Don't, don't put the cart before the horse. There's something else that needs to happen before you start playing and talking and acting married. Can I get a better amen than that? I'm preaching good up here today. I'm just saying. I know you're listening good, and that's okay. But help me know you're listening, all right? We don't, we don't need to say everything we're feeling because there's going to be a time. Someday you're going to know if they're the one. Someday you're going to know if you love them for sure. Until then, limit your time, limit your talk, and then in this season, limit your touch. Listen to me. You might as well go ahead and label that person you're dating in your phone MC Hammer because you can't touch this. <laughs> Don't. Don't touch. Limit your touch. This isn't your season. There's going to be a time, and you're going to want to, and I'm not trying to shame you for having that desire. That is a normal desire that God has placed inside of you to desire that. But what you don't do is entertain those thoughts and then act on it and find a way to do that. It's okay. I'm not shaming you there. But we're going to make some choices now. We're going to make sure that we get the right things in the right seasons. And understanding your season is important because when we understand our season, we can understand how we're supposed to act. So now check out the second season here, chapter 2, verse 11. She's talking again. She does most of the talking here in this chapter, by, or in, this, in today's message. He'll, he'll say one thing here in a little bit. She says, see, the winter is past. Now, it's important. She's talking about seasons, by the way. She says, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone, and flowers have appeared on the earth. And, and metaphorically, what she's saying is, is that we've been in this season. We've been in this season where, where we haven't been going outside much. You don't do that during the winter season. No, during the, the winter season, you spend a lot more time on the inside. And she's saying, we've been in this season here where we've been focusing on developing ourselves. That we're in this season that we are getting prepared for the next season. You know that during the wintertime, flowers don't grow up, right? They grow down. They, they focus all of their energy because they're not growing during this season on deepening their root system so that they can stand strong for the next season, for the rain season, so that they can, they can drink deeply and grow strong in the spring. And that's what's happening in this winter season. 
She's saying, Let's, we're, we're being focused. We've got this season that we're gonna come out of, that we're gonna move into in our dating relationship where the grass is green and it's lush. But before we get to that place, we've got some work to do on ourselves. We've got some deepening of our roots to do. And the Bible is saying there's a season that we've got to focus on doing that, focusing on the inside. She goes on to say, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside. In other words, she's getting ready to ask, where's Solomon been? And he's not like hiding. In other words, he's not like hiding out at the clubs. He's not hiding, hiding out, hanging with another girl, hiding his face in his phone, or hiding in his parents' basement playing video games until 3 a.m. in the morning, y'all. That, not the video games is bad. I'm just saying that's not what he's doing. What he's been doing is, she says, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. And any time you hear a voice or a face, it is a metaphor for your character. She's saying, show me the values that you are developing right now. She's, she was hot for it. She's like, let me, I want to see what, what's important to you. What kind of man of character are you? She didn't want to see his face. She said, show me your character, your, for your voice, your character is sweet, and your face, your values is lovely. She's all about it. She wants to see. It's all about his character. Why is this so important? Well, because for Solomon, before they moved into this season of lushness where the grass is green in the relationship and things are blossoming, he had some work to do. He had a season of preparation. And I think we all need this season, a season of preparation. She's talking about it within the context of her relationship, but we all can adopt a season of preparation through everything that we're going through. And we have seasons of preparation to uh, get us ready for seasons of action, financially, emotionally, spiritually, every area of our life. In fact, we value the time and the effort that we're investing in those areas now so that it makes a difference later. Financially, Dave Ramsey says, do what others won't do now so that you can do what others can't do later. Like we value these kinds of disciplines, this level of character building in our lives, and all she's doing is applying it to her relationship. She's saying there's a season where we need to develop. In other words, she's saying don't, don't spend your time wandering around looking for Mr. or Mrs. Right. No, spend your time developing becoming Mr. or Mrs. Right. It's a season of preparation. So that's the, the, first, the first habit we can pick up in this season of preparation is to become the right person. Become the right person. We, we spend a lot of time looking for the one, don't we? I just need my soul mate. I'm just looking for someone that just matches my soul. <laughs> one who completes me. No. That's actually not who you need. You don't need somebody that matches the feelings you have. You need somebody that matches the values you have. You need to spend some time becoming the one, developing deep emotional maturity and becoming whole yourself. Because here's the thing. Like if, if you are waiting on them to complete you and, and the person that you're dating is the one who completes you, when you break up, you're incomplete again. I have a great friend of mine that before he got married, when he knew that he was serious about this, this girl that he had been dating, he said, you know what, before, before we take the next step and before we get engaged, he said, I think the most important thing that we do is that we both seek individual counseling on our own. Find out what are our gaps? What are the areas that we need to do some work in? Because he said, when I get married, I don't want to do this again. I want to be married to you for the rest of my life. 
and I want to find all the ways that I'm going to try to destroy that marriage first. I want to do some work on me. My goodness, talk about some wisdom, some insight. To see down the road, to value somebody enough to know that I'm in a season of preparation. And before we start doing married things and before we actually get married, I'm going to make sure that I'm the best version of myself. That I'm going to come to the table as a whole person because you don't complete me. And let me tell you something. The more time we spend telling that person that you complete me and looking for that person to do just that, the more we are going to wind up broken because people can not complete us. Only God can complete us. You are looking in all the wrong places for what you need. That hole that is in your life to be complete was supposed to always be filled by God. We need to be ready by becoming the right person. In fact, growth is one of the values that, we, that you'll find in our culture playbook here at the church. If you, if you want to know what that means, like we, we, we believe that there is a next level. We believe that, that we should be pursuing that next level. That growth should be something we are constantly focusing on, ebbing in and out of seasons of preparations. And in marriage, marriage and dating life, it most certainly belongs here as well, that we need to focus on and be committed to growth. I believe if you'll become the right person, then the right person will find you. In the Jewish culture during this time, that young men didn't determine when they were ready. Their dads determined when they were ready. I think it's an important thing. And, and, and what they had to do was the boys actually had to build something that was called a chopa, right? They, they had to build this, and their dad oversaw the work. And when the, when the thing was built, when it was completed, it was, it was basically he was setting up his homestead. He was building a home for he and his wife. And the dad would oversee it. And if anybody asked him once they were betrothed, he, anybody asked him, hey, when's the wedding? He said, only dad knows. Only dad knows. But there was a season of preparation. And once he was ready, dad would release him. They'd set the date for the wedding. Same thing for the young ladies. Except the ladies, they were trained in godliness. And the very, they had one thing that they were commissioned with to protect, and that was their purity. Because this was their gift. In fact, it's, it's, it's kind of gross, but it's also true that giving your, your purity, your virginity on the day of the wedding, after the wedding ceremony, the husband and wife would go to a tent and, and they would consummate the marriage. I mean, that's, that's just awkward to me. Everybody knows what you're doing, right? It's just, but, when, but, but after the consummation, the bed linens were brought to the father of the, of the husband, and it was given to them as a token, as a sign. She fulfilled her obligations because there would be bloodshed on the, the linens. She fulfilled this, and so she was, she was taught to protect her purity. This is the one token, the one gift I'll give you on our wedding day. It's myself. It's all of me, that no one else would have had them. And then the bridal party. Well, the bridal party wasn't there just for pictures, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids were there that once the, the uh, engagement was announced, that they spent their time offering accountability and protection to the both of them so that they didn't violate each other's vows to, each, to one another, so that they didn't violate this season of preparation. They were protecting each other. The season of preparation, we need to become the right person. We're not going to fall in love, no. We're going to do the next thing, and we're going to walk in love. 
You know, love isn't a ditch that you fell into, by the way. A lot of us, we talk about it like this. Well, I just fell in love. I just can't, can't help myself. No, love is a choice. Love is a choice. Feelings of love will follow choices of love. Think about that. Feelings of love will follow choices of love. We don't fall in love, and if you do, maybe that's what your issue is. Is it you're just constantly fawning after all of your feelings? Well, I didn't, I, I, I didn't feel like going to church today, so I didn't go. I, didn't, I, I felt like I should punch them in the mouth, and I just, you know, you're just walking around feeling your way through life. Well, if my feelings tell me this, I guess I should do it. We don't, we don't follow our feelings. You say, but Aaron, I've, I've been married 20 years old, and I just found my soulmate. Listen, you don't need a soulmate. You need a spiritual partner. Somebody's going to get in the trenches with you and fight. You don't need somebody whose feelings match your feelings. You need a partner, a spiritual mate, because your soul and your feelings will lie to you and get you into all kinds of trouble. Walking in love, though, means that we don't wait on a feeling for love. We make a choice in advance. We make a choice that we're going to love. And one of the greatest ways to learn how to do this is to learn to begin to serve others, to make your life about making a difference in the life of others. That's why we have Growth Track. That's why we have the dream team here. You may seem like, Aaron, you just want me on the team so that, so that we do more work around here. Listen, my motivation, that is not my motivation at all. My motivation is for you. I don't want something from you. My motivation is for you to understand what God has for you fully and completely. That if you learn to serve one another, to live a selfless life, you can learn to walk in love easiest that way, by serving. It's okay. You could have shouted louder there, and that's all right. I know I'm preaching good. I'm just taking it all in. Take it all in. Truth is, is you could use a place to love and serve others, to get into the practice of living your life for others. If you want to have a great marriage, you want to have a great dating relationship, you want to have great relationships all around, practice walking in love by serving others in a season of preparation. You know, for me, uh, when, when after, after I was very young, I got married, I got divorced. Within a year of that marriage, it crumbled apart. And I tried to date, and I hated it. <laughs> it was rough dating. Single dad, twins, had them all the time, full custody. My family helped me and, and supported me during that season. But it was still hard. It was hard to date. And I just gave up on it. I told God, I said, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. And what I did was I got busy serving. I joined up with the church, started serving in a kid's ministry. And then the, the leadership of that, that ministry said, you're single? Let me introduce you to Shanda. You see, so if I get serving, I'm going to meet, meet the person I'm supposed to be with? That, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I made a decision that I, I was going to learn to walk in love that I was going to serve, and that I was going to wait on the Lord, that I was going to become someone or something better than I was, better than any version that I had been of myself. And I knew by serving others that I could get there. So we become the right person. We walk in love. And the third thing in this season is to fix all our hopes and dreams on God. Listen, don't let others completely complete you. That's not our focus. Only God, only God can complete you. We need to stop putting pressure on people to be only what God can be. So let's place our hopes and our dreams in him, amen? That person that you're looking at, 
That person maybe that you're sitting next to, that person that you're married to, maybe that person you're dating is not responsible for your happiness. Let's put our hopes and our dreams on God. And here's the last season, Solomon. Chapter 2, verse 15, Solomon is now speaking, and he takes initiative here. And, and gentlemen, I think it's worth noting that, that it's him taking the initiative here. But I think if more gentlemen or more men took the initiative that you could protect, you could protect your relationships better. But he says, catch for us the foxes, you know, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And when he talks about vineyard, anytime you see vineyard in this, in this whole book, they're, they're talking about their bodies. And that's every bit as graphic as you think. And it means exactly what you think it means. He said, hey, all these little cracks in our commitments to our seasons, the behaviors that we've attached to the season of perfection, the season of preparation, there's these little foxes that keep creeping in. And we've got these passions that are not wrong. It's just the wrong season. He's like, let's, let's catch those little things. All those ways that our commitments tend to break and where we tend to compromise. He's saying, catch all those for me. Because see, the foxes would come in and they would eat the fruit before they matured. The foxes, essentially what he's saying is destroyed innocence. Took something too early. Now don't forget the ground rules here. If you've if this has been you, don't walk out today feeling any shame or condemned. That's not what I'm doing here. Remember, Jesus makes all things new. And you can walk out of here today feeling free from any of the baggage that has come from this part of your relationships with others. I'm not here trying to add any weight to it. Jesus offers a fresh start, and you can have it today. You can have it. You can walk out of here a spiritual version if you'd like to. That choice is yours. But Solomon wants the Shulamite woman. He loves her and cares about her, but he wants her in the right season and he recognizes that this, that this isn't it. He recognizes that the season they're in is this last season. It's a season of purity. And if you're here today and you feel impure, welcome to the party. That's all of us. We, we are all impure. The Bible says we're all sinners. Every single one of us. We're sinners, even the guy talking to you. I, mean, I hope it doesn't, doesn't surprise you, but let me just jump off the pedestal for a second that y'all put me on. I've got some passions that, that don't align with God's will for my life. You know that? I've got some issues and some things within me that, that want to rage. I'm just like you. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I, again, I hope that doesn't offend you, but, but Jesus paid the price for every single one of us, <laughs> for all of us. He gives us forgiveness, gives us redemption, he gives us freedom. We get to, because of what Jesus did for us, live a from this day forward kind of attitude. And we can choose not to let the foxes ruin, ruin this area of purity for us anymore. So we're going to do some things to catch the foxes. We're going to put some parameters around our passion. That's the first thing. We've all got passions outside of God's will for our lives, things that aren't his best for us. I've got them. And here's what I am. I'm not Superman, and I'm not even as... as Maybe as spiritual as you all think I am. No, what I am is smart enough to know that, that I'm five seconds away from being stupid. Amen. <laughs> right? I'm smart enough to know I'm dumb. And that what I need is some practices and some parameters in place around those passions. Passions like a fire. 
Fire's a great thing to have, but not if I lit it right here on this carpet. No, it becomes dangerous then. We want to take our passions and we want to put them in the right place. A fire in a fireplace is, great, is a great thing. A fire contained with parameters around it is a blessing. It's a gift. Our passions unbridled are dangerous to us. They're not in alignment with God. I know mine. Do you know yours? Do you know what your passions are? Have you taken time to put parameters around them? Many of you know that, that I, I come from a background of addiction to pornography. And I had to put some parameters around that passion to look at pornography. I had to limit some access. I had to limit what I can do with my phone. I had to limit alone time with those devices. I had to, uh, in that season, to, to, to fight all the little foxes that were breaking through. I had to guard and close the gateways. Whatever your passion is, you need to set up a system around it, a system of accountability. You need to set it up so that, my goodness, the little foxes will stop robbing you of your purity. And if you don't have any parameters, what will happen is you'll become a statistic. And that's not what I want for you as your pastor. I don't want you to become a statistic. You don't have to learn the hard way. You may not have been caught yet, and you may not feel any pain now, but it's coming. We can't let our passions get out of control. We need to put parameters in place. The second thing we need to do in this season of purity is use family as a safeguard. You say, well, I don't, my family's not close to me. Maybe they've disowned me, or maybe they've all passed. What about your chosen family? What about your friends? What about your church family? What about people in your grow group? What about people on the team that you serve on here at the church? Because there are pastors, there are leaders, there are people sitting right next to you that need to know you and want to know you and want to be in your life. And they can offer you accountability. They can offer you prayer. They can offer you encouragement. They can say, hey, what were you doing last night? Where were you at? Who were you with? You good? How you doing in that area you're struggling with? Each of us needs a spiritual family protecting us and safeguarding us. You know, I have apps on my phone and on my laptops and even here on the devices here in the building that will report me like that should I look at anything on the internet. You know that? I got apps that tell people. I have people in my life that I go and confess. Hey, I messed up this week. The Bible tells us to do that, James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another so that you can be healed. <sighs> it's in there. It's uncomfortable, but I do it, and I get prayed for, and I feel so, it's not about forgiveness between me and God. This is about healing, because I want to end that cycle in my life. Confession does that. Confession does that. Share your vulnerabilities. You know, I, I tell my kids, the second that, that they got old enough that we removed the parental blocks and all the things on their phones, somebody needs to know what's going on on your phone at all times, and adults, I will tell you the same. Somebody needs to have access to say, give me your phone. Uh-oh. Because let me tell you what I think is, is happening more and more often is that we get alone with that device and, our, and our, through our direct messages and our text messages and our disappearing messages and our hidden and secret accesses on Snapchat allow us to start practicing in the dark what we will eventually bring out into the light which becomes a perversion to everything that God has for us. It emboldens us. 
And I'm just going to tell you that if you want to continue to have God's best for your life, somebody needs to know what's going on when you're alone. When you're alone with that phone, when you're alone with that laptop. Somebody needs to know. Because like I said earlier, I'm one step away from stupid and so are you. All of us are. We need each other to safeguard our lives. And remember, if you've messed up in this area, there's no shame for me. Just know there's a journey you can get on. There's a journey you can get on. Because I've messed up too, and I'm telling you, God's ways are better. I live free. I don't live with a guilty conscience. My marriage is better than it's ever been because I'm safeguarded. Safeguarded. And here's, uh, here, and, and then the last thing, we put parameters around our passion. We use family as safeguard. And the last thing is to let Jesus make all things new. I've already said this already. But if you've messed up today, don't leave here today without letting Jesus give you a brand new start. Here's how we're going to end today. She says this in chapter 3, verse 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. We ended this way last week. In fact, it says this exact statement four times. Hey, when the Bible starts repeating itself, pay attention. When the Bible starts repeating itself, pay attention. When the Bible starts repeating itself, pay attention. And actually, it, it's not necessarily about arousing love. What it is at this point is, is about, it's okay, you're going to have that desire, but don't act on that desire until you're in the right season. Don't, don't act on that action of love before it's time. It's okay to be aroused, and it's okay to want something, but it's all about being in the right time and in the right season. Amen, everybody? Now, I have to tell you, as your pastor, I don't mind coming alongside you and your marriage and your relationships and picking up the pieces, but I would rather help you on the front end so that we don't have breakage or that when things do break in your relationship, it's not a total disaster in your life. Amen, everybody? I, I, I want to be part of your life. I don't want you to be a statistic. You know, they say that 50% of marriages end in divorce. That's actually an incorrect number because what they do is they, they, they measure the, the number of licenses in a year versus how many divorces happen in a year. It's not actually following the number of marriages. R really, the number statistically is about 33%. The health of most marriages fail completely, and about 33% uh, wind up unsuccessful. That's one out of three. One out of three. You know, we don't accept those odds in anything else that we're doing. Uh, excuse me, today... Uh, this flight in particular, uh, one out of three of them make it safely. <laughs> or, or, or one out of three don't. They, they crash. One out of three planes crash. Or, or this, this food you're about to eat, one out of three people get deathly sick. It's a terrible torture on the toilet, and then you die. So. <laughs> or, or, or this investment, you're going to put all your money into, one out of three people lose everything. We, we don't accept those odds anywhere, do we? Like, that's not okay, and I don't want that for you. But in marriage, we do tend to accept that. It took an Ivy League college doing a research on how to make marriages better. This is a secular college, and you know what they discovered? They discovered that if you want to reduce your loss or the potential for loss in your marriage to, instead of one out of three, to one out of every 1,126, if you want to reduce your shot or the, the opportunity that your marriage is going to fail, here's how you do it. Pray together, discuss the Bible together, and attend church together. This is a secular school that said, this is how you increase your odds of staying together. It's God's way. 
God's way are better. And if you want to increase your odds, let me say this. The key to building a great marriage, or rather, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Any relationship. (laughs) The key to making any relationship better is living a God-first life. So let's commit to living a God-first life, everybody. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, today I I just had this, this feeling that what's happening in this place and this space is, is just that, that we, we need an opportunity to go all in. Lord, whether we've made this commitment before and maybe we've done what we call backsliding or we've, we've, we've retreated, we've taken control back of our lives, we've done things our ways, we've ignored your ways, we've sinned against you, against ourselves, against our loved ones, and what we need is another opportunity to go all in. Or maybe this is the first opportunity that you will take, but that's what this is this moment. Is I, God, I just want to do things your way. I want those things that are better for me, and I'm in this season, either a season of perfection, a season of preparation, or a season of purity. God, I need your help. So today I'm choosing to go all in. I'm choosing to follow your son. I'm choosing that if he's really that good, that I want him. And so if you're here today and you're like, yeah, Aaron, I want that. I'm ready for a God-first life. If you feel the Holy Spirit drawing your heart today, Man, let me just ask you to make today the day that you go all in with Jesus, that you trust him with your life, that, that you give him every bit of hurt, that you give him every bit of insecurity you have, that you give him your entire life. That means he's in control, that you're committing to follow his ways and you'll do it imperfectly. It's not about being perfect. It's about allowing him to transform and to change your heart and your life. If you're ready for that, I'm going to pray a prayer. Those of you in this room, you can pray it with me out loud. Those of you watching at home, join us in this prayer. In fact, I'm going to urge you that if you're praying that prayer today, would you just slip up your hand and say, that's me today, Aaron. I'm making that commitment today. Yeah. For all those of you that are doing that, church, let's pray together. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. And today I surrender. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that heaven's having a party. Simple Church, can we celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today? Now, listen, if you made that commitment today, there's one thing I will ask you to do, and that is to take the Connect card that's in front of you and the seat back in front of you. Mark a spot on there and says, I said yes to Jesus today. There's a next step for you, and uh, if you're saying Jesus is in charge now, it's called baptism. We would love to contact you and explain to you what that is, but we have a tank over here where we will go through a ceremonial expressing to God, kind of like on a wedding day, where we make a public confession, I'm following Jesus, and we baptize you. It's a it's a biblical thing that God has asked us to do, and we'd like to help you understand it and to take the steps to do that. Amen, everybody? So whether you're here or online, you can fill out a digital Connect card or uh, one of the Connect cards. Drop it off at the Connect Center. Also, if you're a guest with us today, we'd love for you to take one of those and fill it out. We have a gift for you that we'd give you to, uh, when you turn in your completed card at the Connect Center today. All right, well, as we wrap up today's service, there are ways for you to give. We thank you for giving so faithfully. There's digital ways to do, but there's also a give box in the back of the room on your way out today. Uh, We pray that you prayerfully approach the subject of giving of your tithes and your offerings, and we just thank you so much for it. 
Uh, all right, well, if you need prayer for anything as we wrap up today's service, uh, our pastoral team that's available will be here to meet you. We'd love an opportunity to pray with you. You can also put prayer requests on those Connect cards. Let me just pray, and then we'll dismiss. Lord, thank you again so much for what you're doing in us through this series. Lord, I, I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, may we have the boldness, Lord, to internalize this and allow it to produce fruit in our lives. But Lord, may we also find uh, the, the boldness to share it, uh, share it on our social medias, text it to people, but inviting others into what they may need the most right now in this season. And that is a dose of your ways and of your love. And so God, I pray that you help us this week to connect with just one person to share this with today, to share what it meant to us, or maybe even just to share the message through the podcast or listening online. God, just, just help us to love people this way this weekend. I pray for all those that are sick and out this week. Lord, may your healing power heal them all and cause them to recover quickly. Be with us all in Jesus' name and bring us back safely. And everybody said, God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week.